Praise the Lord for all those wonderful testimonies. Those are just two testimonies of the many that each of our team members have brought back. We sent over 55 people out onto five different missions projects. And praise the Lord that they all returned safely, but also that they have returned with plunder because they have plundered the enemy by advancing the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Next week, we're going to have the three missions teams that went to America, Cambodia, and the Philippines. They will share a video and a testimony next week. And so you guys can look forward to that. Personally, Pastor Aaron and myself, we went to America, went to Los Angeles, and we ministered at TKC's college ministry. They're called Burning Tree. And Burning Tree wanted some fire. When Pastor Aaron and I came, and so we were the guest speakers, Pastor Aaron preached twice, and I preached once, because I'm secure. I don't have to preach more than her. But no, she preached powerful two messages that really opened up the hearts of the students, took care of some inner healing, forgiveness issues that really um, set them up and positioned them to receive from the Lord. And on the last night of the retreat, on Saturday, I preached on the fire of the Holy Spirit, explained what it is, how the Holy Spirit comes, and what kind of fruit it produces. And then we prayed. Our ministry team of eight that accompanied us, uh, we all prayed along with the uh, Burning Tree pastors. And let me tell you, the fire of the Holy Spirit was poured out over that room. I mean, they were so hungry and ready, they got rid of the chairs for the last Saturday night service. So there were no chairs. It was standing room only. And let me tell you, that was smart because there was no way we had enough space to pray for all those people. I mean, pretty much the entire room wanted to receive prayer after my message. And so our team went around. We prayed. And, you know, about two-thirds of the people couldn't remain standing because the power of the Holy Spirit was hitting them. And uh, many of them uh, were just powerfully touched and changed. And so praise the Lord. Then our ministry team flew out to Las Vegas, and we did ministry with Full Gospel Las Vegas Church, a church that we did ministry with back in July of this past summer. And that was also a powerful time. It was really sowing into the leaders. We did a lot of healing and deliverance sessions with some of the uh, key leaders there at that church. And I got to meet up with the senior pastor. His name is Pastor Joshua Kang. He's like a 1.5 generation guy. He's a senior pastor there of Full Gospel. And uh, I had a wonderful time connecting with him. He had a wonderful vision about EM ministry in Korean churches. One of the first few people that I've seen to articulate such a prophetic vision of what God is doing right now. Um, But also in Las Vegas, it was powerful. We had a revival service. Uh, We got to minister. And many people were touched and filled and refreshed. And and then Pastor Aaron and I, uh, the team went back to Korea. Pastor Aaron and I went to San Francisco. And we just had some downtime with Pastor Benjamin and Sonny. They are our spiritual mother and father. And uh, we just had some good times. And God was moving there in San Francisco. Now, how many of you guys know that even when you're at rest, the spirit of God is working? And God reveals, when you trust and you have faith, God reveals what he's doing. And he was revealing what he was doing. And it was powerful. It was, it was breathtaking. It was, it was beautiful. And uh, on the last night before we left for Korea, we got to minister at uh, Living Hope Christian Center. They had a Wednesday night prayer service. And Pastor Aaron and I, we tag teamed. I preached for one hour, and she preached for 15 minutes. <laughs> but, but, but we still split the honorarium in half, just to let you know, all right? <clears throat> but anyway, it was powerful. And uh, Pastor Robert Daniels, Pastor Benjamin's spiritual father, was there. Uh, yeah, everybody was there, and we, we ministered. It was a lot of fun, and God was moving powerfully uh, to really strengthen their prayer movement, and so we were really blessed. So praise the Lord. Let's just uh, give a uh, clap offering to God one more time for all the amazing things he's done the last two weeks. Praise the Lord. And our celebration does not have to end with just today. We will continue it on to next Sunday. Um, but let me get on with my message. Today, I'm going to continue my sermon series on wisdom with time. So my first message was called Make the Most of Every Opportunity. And in that, I talked about how our time on earth is limited 
And the Bible encourages us, commands us to make the most of every opportunity, to redeem the time that we have here on earth. My second message was called The Power of Your Presence. And I talked about how important it is for you to be fully present when you go somewhere, when you're at work, when you're here at church. Don't be absent-minded. Don't get so easily distracted by your iPhone, by your uh, Galaxy. Be fully present. That's the most loving thing you can do when you spend time with somebody else, is to be fully present. Amen? And sometimes it's good when you go on mission trips that you don't have access to your phone. It forces you to be fully present. But then we need to live our lives like that. The way you guys went out in that field and you were fully present to all those indigenous pastors and, and church members, we need to do that right here in Korea. Amen? Uh, my third message was called Harness Your Willpower. There's a lot of insight that I took away from Charles Duhigg's book, Power of Habit, which I highly recommend. And those in, in here who you want to go somewhere with your life, I noticed you got a copy of the book already and you've been reading it. Let me tell you, for those who read it and apply it, it will go well with you. If you don't want to do nothing with your life, then just, you know, don't take no notes. Just for, go in one ear, one out the other. And you know what? You can just live a mediocre life. But God has not called us to live a mediocre life. Amen? Yeah. He's called us to live a life that's worthy of the call that he's given us. God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, the scripture says. But anyway, in the, in the third message, Harness Your Willpower, I talked about willpower being a commodity, a limited commodity that, that, that is limited. And when you spend it, you run out of it. And so you got to learn how to focus your willpower in a given day. You don't have unlimited access to just unlimited willpower. you got to harness your willpower and focus it purposely on the things that are most important. Today, I'm going to talk about the importance of punctuality i can't do a a wisdom on time series without talking about punctuality right in fact this topic is so important i'm going to preach two messages on it today will be the first Uh, next week we have a guest speaker pastor dan armistead of soul international baptist church sibc everyone say sibc he was my professor at torch trinity seminary Uh, for my church and society class and man let me tell you this guy is a southern baptist but he is anointed by the power of the holy spirit i'm saying that because uh it's commonly known that baptists are cessationists are not open to the holy spirit but that's not true there's a lot of bad baptists right now (laughs) that are moving in the power of the holy spirit and let me tell you pastor uh dan armistead he is anointed the first time i heard him speak He was just sharing a little devotional, and man, I was just taking notes. In fact, I preached two sermons from taking notes on the devotionals he shared. He's powerfully anointed, and I'm really excited to have him next week. So his sermon is going to be broadcast to all four of our campuses next week, because it's going to be a powerful Sunday. Uh, And so the Sunday after that, the first Sunday of March, I will preach the second uh, message on punctuality. So today I'm going to talk about the importance of punctuality. And then the first Sunday of March, I'm going to talk about how to form habits in punctuality. Y'all ready? Amen? Now, some of the materials that I'm going to share today are from a website called theartofmanliness.com. Y'all laughing, but y'all need to look at the website. I believe the author is a Christian. I'm not sure. I think, I'm pretty sure he's a Christian. Uh, and he has a lot of great articles on his website, artofmanliness.com. And in this year of wisdom, I'm going to recommend every young man in this house to go to this website, read the articles, and learn how to be a gentleman. A lot of boys filling up the church. But there's not a lot of men rising up in maturity. Some of the reasons why these women of God in this room, they are delaying their marriage is because they're waiting for you to grow up. Let's just be real. It's a lot of masculinity, machismo, but there's not much maturity. And so I recommend this is the year of wisdom. Learn some wisdom. Go to a website like this. Check out these resources. Um, read books. Yeah, let me tell you something. 
I was reading Joel Olstein's book, Become a Better You, on the way f- uh, to Los Angeles on my flight. And let me tell you, that book is rich. That book is anointed. And I, I heard on the first month that I recommended it, only one person bought that book. Whoever that one person is, you are going to be greatly blessed. The rest of you, you keep judging that book by its cover. And you keep looking down on Joel Olstein. Let me tell you, this guy, he can teach you a thing or two because he's anointed by God to preach the uh, messages and to give the emphasis that he is giving to the body of Christ. That book is powerful. I heard some of you, you read like a few chapters and you, you're like, oh, the book sucks and whatnot. I, re- I reread it. It was my second time going through it. And that's a powerful book. So I don't know what you're talking about. You need to go back and read these chapters again. Maybe you were in a bad state of mind. But let me tell you, the men in here, especially the men, you need to become a better you. Because right now the you, all right, because God commands us to love, I'll love you. But don't mean I'll like you. <laughs> Until you become a better you, you know what I'm saying? All right, we're good, okay. <laughs> Let's go back to punctuality. Artofmanliness.com. I hope they make a website for the ladies too. Because how many of y'all know there are some ladies in here that need to learn a thing or two about maturity. Need to learn a thing or two about attracting men. Of the, uh, attracting men. That's, anyway, I'll get into that in a future message. I got a good one for the ladies in the future. I got a good one. I'm going to be real on that message. So you're going to get your feelings hurt that day. So come ready. I'm going to be real with the ladies in a future message. It's coming up. But today, let's talk about punctuality. George Washington, he was the first president of the United States of America. And George Washington lived his life with a passion for punctuality. When he would schedule an appointment with Congress at noon, he could almost be found walking in just as the clock struck 12. He was a man of punctuality. He ate dinner every day at 4 o'clock. And when he would invite members of Congress to dine with them and they arrived late, they were often surprised to find the president halfway done with his meal. And he would say to them, we are punctual here. My cook never asked whether the company has arrived, but whether the hour has come. George Washington made it a point to live his life with punctuality. Once he arranged to look at some horses that he was interested in purchasing. The seller agreed to meet him at 5 o'clock in the morning. When the man arrived 15 minutes late, George Washington got somebody else to tell him that he had been waiting for him at 5, but now had moved on to other business and would not be available for another week. The seller had to just deal with the fact that George Washington was not going to wait around 15 minutes for this young man. When Washington's secretary failed to be prompt to a meeting, the secretary tried to blame his watch For his tardiness. Tardiness is another word for lateness. To this, Washington quietly replied, Then you must get another watch, or I, another secretary. For George Washington, punctuality was a way of showing respect to others. And he expected that same respect to be shown in return. You know, the importance of punctuality is not emphasized by every culture. How many of you guys, you grew up in a culture where punctuality was not actually emphasized? Raise your hand. All right, there you go. A lot of non-Western nations, they don't necessarily have a culture where punctuality is emphasized. Uh, So when you go on a mission trip to certain nations, if they say the revival service will start at 6 p.m., they really mean that it could start anywhere from 6 to 8 p.m. That's because people may not have cars. They have to walk up mountains barefoot, you know, uh, whatever they're doing to arrive at that meeting. And so it's more of a ballpark figure when they say we're going to start at six. And I noticed that this is much more common in countries with a warm climate. Something about warm climates make you more laid back. When I went back to Southern California on this trip, man, I realized how frustrating it is to deal with this laid-back L.A. Southern culture sometimes, you know, Southern California culture. But in warmer climates where they don't deal with four seasons, you know, when you got to deal with the winter every single year, I mean, it does something to you. <laughs> it toughens you up. 
That's why, that's why Koreans, man, they, they are just like, they eat kimchi. They like their uh, stew hot. That's because they got to go through winter every year. But when, when, you, when you're like growing up in a warm climate and, you know, you know, July weather is the same as December weather and everything, everything hey, just chill out, relax, you know. <laughs> Punctuality is oftentimes not as emphasized. Uh, when my spiritual mom, Pastor Sunny Robinson of Living Hope Christian Center, when she does her missions training, she goes over the difference between cultures that are time-oriented and cultures that are event-oriented. Time-oriented cultures put a heavy emphasis on the value of being on time. They begin on time and they end on time. Event-oriented cultures put their emphasis on the event. They are more concerned with making sure that whatever takes place gets completed, regardless of time. And it's not that a time-oriented culture is superior than an event-oriented culture. It's just that due to various factors, certain non-Western countries tend to be more event-oriented. And so Pastor Sonny teaches that when we are out on the missions field, it's important for us to adapt to the culture of the indigenous churches and pastors that we are serving. We don't get all strung out and, and all stressed out because things aren't running on time. It's important that when we go out on that field, that we accommodate the culture that we are there to serve. Now, Aaron and I have found that this teaching applies also to individuals. There are certain individuals that God has created to be either time-oriented or event-oriented. For example, a time-oriented person will start a task or conversation, and if they can't finish it on time, they will not mind leaving it undone. They'll leave right in the middle. You're talking to them, all of a sudden they start looking at that clock and say, oh, actually, I need to be somewhere. Excuse me, time out, I'm out, you know. And, and they don't mind leaving conversations in the middle. An event-oriented person will start a task or conversation, and if it runs over time, they don't mind going a little over time if it means finishing the task or the conversation that has started. A time-oriented person will insist on scheduling everything out and they get hung up when things don't run on time. For example, when Aaron and I, Pastor Aaron and I, we did our vacation to Phuket, Thailand last year. We went with Pastors Mina and Caleb of our seaside church plant down in Busan. When we were there, I realized and we gave Pastor Caleb a nickname. We called him the Time Nazi. We're on vacation. We want to relax. We, know, we, we don't want to wake up at a certain time. You know, but every day, like 8.30, you know, call up, call up our hotel room. Hey, hey, you guys, we got to go down to the breakfast buffet before they close. And we're like, man, can, 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 let, just, let, let me seep in, you know. And then we'll, we'll, we'll hang up, but then like, 40, like 30 minutes later, he'll call again. And he'll be like, hey, hey we're going to run out of time. We're, we're not going to be able to eat anything. And like everywhere we went, Pastor Caleb was constantly looking at the clock, telling us we need to move, we need to get home. And so we called him the time Nazi. Pastor Caleb is a very time-oriented person. If you look at the Seaside uh, service, Sunday service report, you will notice that they consistently end their Sunday service before one hour and 45 minutes. Here at Hillside, that's what we, uh, that's what we are actually supposed to aim for. But um, guess who's not time-oriented here? <clears throat> Anyway, a time-oriented person is very, very about the schedule, finishing things on time. An event-oriented person doesn't mind getting just the gist of the schedule completed. Now, time-oriented individuals. How many of you in here, you would define yourself? Now, this is not without any effort. Like, you're just time-oriented without any effort. Or you're more event-oriented if you just let yourself go. How many of you guys in here, you would define yourself as you're time-oriented? Lift your hand. All right. All right, very good. You can put your hands down. All right, so every time I preach way over my time, you're getting irked, huh? Whether you like it or not, you're getting irked. Well, that's okay, you know, because I'm going to meet you in the middle, all right? I'm going to meet you in the middle. Now, time-oriented individuals, they tend to have an easier time. 
in being punctual, in forming punctuality habits than event-oriented persons. And I want to begin by saying that as Christians, we got to show each other grace. If you are time-oriented and you form great habits of punctuality, don't use that to ruthlessly look down upon people who are event-oriented and find it difficult to be punctual. Don't judge us so much. At the same time, if you are event-oriented, but you live in a Western time-oriented culture, you cannot use that as an excuse to be late to everything. you got to still deal with your lack of punctuality. With a little discipline and self-control, any event-oriented person can also develop habits of punctuality. That punctuality may not feel natural to you, but you can discipline yourself when you understand how important it really is. What do you think I am? I think I already revealed it, right? <laughs> you know, it set me free when I, when I realized that I'm an event-oriented person. You know, all my life, I felt so guilty. But when I realized I was event-oriented, I realized, oh, this is just the way God's made me. And I need to learn how to discipline myself to be more punctual. And so as I preach these two sermons on punctuality... I like to openly confess and say that I am not a master of punctuality. I am very event-oriented. In fact, for most of my life, I try to say that I am a fairly punctual person. But as I prepare this message, let me just say it out loud. All of my life, I have struggled with punctuality. You want so bad, right? I'm late. A lot. Uh, for example, during my staff training in Los Angeles with Korea Campus Crusade for Christ, my training director once, he sat down with me and said that my pattern of tardiness was completely selfish. And that I needed to think of others more. He made an, a matter of love. He said that I'm not being loving to my fellow classmates because I was constantly the last one out of the house. I was constantly making everybody wait in the car. And you know what? It was, it was completely true. Like what he was saying, I mean, I definitely could not defend myself. When I was working at the Korea Campus Crusade headquarters here in Buangdong, Seoul from 2005 to 2007, let me confess, okay, I'm not... I'm not, uh, I'm not proud of this, but let me confess. I was late to the office almost every single day. <laughs> My uh, Campus Crusade staff managers, uh, they didn't say anything. But I was supposed to be there by 9 a.m. A lot of times I was averaging 9.45 a.m. Some, sometimes I'd walk in there at 10.10 10 a.m. Now, to be fair... There wasn't a lot of work for me to do, okay? And so I was a little bored. And so when I'm not motivated, I can be punctual, let me tell you. But when I'm not motivated, you know, punctuality is like the last thing I think about. You see, for me, I thrive when I have an overseer who gives me pressure and discipline. Uh, I used to work at a law firm back in 2003. And when I worked at that law firm, I was there on time every single day. Because my boss carried a strong New York-style leadership. And she was really uh, trying to teach me about discipline. And so I was there every single day. So when I think about that, I think I'm punctual. But when I face the music and think about my Campus Crusade office days here in Korea, I was late all the time. Uh, Another example where I can demonstrate punctuality is on Saturday mornings when I have the pastor's meeting with the Korean mother church here, are with my senior pastor, Pastor Huang, I try, I try to show up on time every single Saturday. And I show up on time, like 80% of the time. All right, is that right? That's about accurate. Don't shake your head, girl. <laughs> pastor Myungwa is there. She's there on time most of the time, like 99%. You're there. I, I, I'll confess. Yeah, you're good. good. I'm a little later than her sometimes, but you know. Actually, actually, the first time I was late, I was like, I walked in five minutes late. I mean, Pastor Huang, he ripped me up. And I was like, oh, snap. You know, I, I need to show up on time. And so most of the time, 
most of the time, 75%. How's that? 80, 75%? 75% of the time on time to that prayer, onto that pastor's meeting. Anyway, I appreciate pressure. I thrive with it. But when I face no external pressure whatsoever, I have terrible habits of miscalculating the time and I end up being late. So for everybody in here, if you struggle with punctuality, whether you're time-oriented, event-oriented, you know, even time-oriented people, you struggle with punctuality. I want us to begin today by facing the music. If you are chronically late, let us admit, I have a problem with punctuality. If that's you, say it with me. I have a problem with punctuality. I feel much better. There's a lot of you in here <laughs> confessing that with me. I noticed Pastor John didn't flinch a second. <laughs> um, now, first of all, I want to break off any futility you have with punctuality. Because in my past years, I have tried again and again, especially with New Year resolutions, to be on time, to be a punctual person. But, you know, oftentimes they wouldn't last. Because I, w- I failed to form habits that were consistent and, and lasting. And so, after failure after failure, there's a tendency to fall into this mindset of futility. I'm never going to be able to get to be a punctual person. And let me tell you today, that's a lie for every single one of you. All of you have the ability to be a punctual person. Amen? We have to break off that mindset of, punct- uh, of futility. We got to be coming from a mindset of hope. I don't care... How many times you try and you're constantly late, you, you wake up in the morning with hope because it's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. So even if you get one out of five days of the week, you're on time, celebrate that one day, hallelujah. And have hope that that one day is going to turn into five days. Let me talk about New Philly as a church for a second. I've noticed that as a church, we have fallen into bad habits of tardiness. I do not take any responsibility for this whatsoever. It's totally your decisions. But I've noticed that as a church, we have fallen into bad habits of tardiness. Uh, Many of our leaders, they are required to be at our Sunday swim prayer meeting right before the Sunday service. But many of our leaders are late to Sunday swim. And they are also late to our monthly leadership meeting. Some of them walk in 20, 30 minutes late to a one-hour prayer meeting. You walk in 30 minutes late, it's already half done. You got to show up on time. I mean, even as a person who struggles with lateness, I understand that you don't want to show up 50% like halfway done through the meeting. You know, you got to have some decency when it comes to late lateness, all right? At least come five to seven minutes late if you want to be late. Anyway, some of you are shameless about it and you show up mad late to Sunday swim to our monthly leadership meeting. But let me talk about everybody for a second. On Sundays, our average attendance here at Hillside for about the last three months has been 270. That's a good number of you in here. I think there are about 265 people in here today. But when you watch our video broadcast, and I'm sure Sydney sees this every single week, or if you go onto our YouTube channel and you look at the Sunday broadcast of today, you will notice that When the call to worship starts at 1 p.m., only about half the room is full. That means only about 150 people are in the service. The rest of the 130 and 120, they walk in 15, 20, even 30 minutes late. For those who are sitting toward the back, I know when you walked in. (laughs) Because all those seats were empty when we started at 1 p.m. They were still empty when we were on our third song at 1.15 p.m. But when I got up to preach, all of a sudden they're all full. These are bad habits of uh, uh, a lack of punctuality. And let me say today, come on, this is not okay, amen? I know that I struggle too. I walk in, actually I've been walking in every single Sunday, like 30 minutes late. I understand, all right, so I'm going to pray for me. So I can break some of these bad habits of, of my Sunday sermon preparation. It's because, let me just confess, all right? Let's just be real. The reason I'm walking in 30, 40 minutes late to Sunday service is because I've fallen into really terrible habits of my sermon preparation. Now, what I've noticed is 
that some of my interim pastors and some of my full-time pastors, they look up to me so much that they are almost replicating and imitating these bad habits. All right? You got to eat the meat, throw out the bones. You're not supposed to replicate and imitate the bad things that I do. (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) That sounds so hypocritical. (laughs) Anyway, I have bad habits. So pray for a brother. Pray for your pastor so I can break out of these habits. But let me tell you. In this season, in the, right after I preach these messages, I'm, I'm going to be committed to show up at 1 p.m. I'm going to be here. I'm be, I, I came in 103 today. I, I just missed the call to worship. I was right here. You can see me on the video. I came in. All right. Yeah, we celebrate the small victories. Okay. But look, remember what I preached a couple weeks ago. There is power in your presence. God loves and enjoys your presence. If you're going to worship the Lord, you know, praise music, the praise time is not filler time unto the sermon. If that's your theology, you're all, that's all twisted. I was going to say something a lot worse. That's really twisted. Praise, lifting up praise to God together, that's, that's like the main event. It is a portion of the main event. It's not filler time until you sit down and listen to a message. Amen. The praise is worship. The preaching is worship. These are all, it makes up the worship service. And so your presence, God loves your presence here in the sanctuary. But you got to, if you're going to worship him together with God's saints, you got to be here on time. Amen. If you walk in at 1.15 p.m., you're only catching like a portion of the last song of praise. Like today, the praise was powerful. Amen. But today was powerful. Susie, you did a great job. Susie, I don't know where you are, but it was, it was a powerful time. All right, no need to clap. All right. Susie, it was, it was powerful. Where is she? I don't even know where I'm looking. Susie, wherever you are. Why is Susie not in the worship? Let's know preaching is part of worship. Anyway, she'll come back in the room. Um, it was a powerful time. But look, most of y'all in the back, the hundred of y'all that walked in at like 117, 118, you missed that entire powerful praise time. In fact, that praise time is going to ready your heart to receive the word. Because God is a relational God. God is not just a God that's like, here's some information for you today so you can help, I can help you to grow. Here to go. No, God is relational. He's like, come on. Are you here to just tickle your ears? To just get a, uh, to improve your life? And to just fill up your head with knowledge? Are you here to meet with me? Because if you see... Sunday worship services as an um, appointment with God, like you will make an appointment with uh, a girl that you like, or you make an appointment with your spouse. If you understand the relational aspect of worship, you will show up on time. Well, you know, God's a big God. He's not going to get offended that I'm late. Yeah, maybe not. But you're missing out on the rich relationship that you're supposed to enjoy with your God. got to show up on time. Amen. Let's break out of the futility and our bad habits as individuals. We can change. Amen. As a church, we can change. Amen. So from now on, I want all of our church gatherings to begin on time. And I believe that our pastors have been doing a good job of doing that. Our Sunday service, Sunday swim, Friday fire, joint prayer meeting. They've all been beginning on time. So praise the Lord for that. Pastor John Newfell, you've been doing a great job. It's easy for you because you're time-oriented. But anyway, you're still doing a good job. <laughs> um, you know, when we publish our service times, we're making a promise. And so it's important that we keep that promise. Amen? But not only do I want us to begin on time, but from now on, I also want us to end on time. So I want to verbally communicate an end time that I want all our pastors and leaders to aim for. So I've started communicating that already for our prayer meetings. Joint prayer meeting and Friday fire. From now on, I want it to end by 9.45 p.m. sharp. So we did that last night, if you notice. I did like 9.47 p.m. So show some grace to a brother, all right? For swim, from now on, it will be 
12 p.m. All right, 12 p.m. For Sunday swim prayer meetings, we are going to commit. Everyone's going to commit. Mostly, I just need to commit. <laughs> One hour after it starts, we are going to end. For Sunday service, I want the end time to ideally be one hour and 45 minutes on most Sundays. But on Sundays where we have missions, testimonies, videos, etc., like today, uh, we can end a little later, but I want to end no later than two hours after our start time. We can do it, amen? We can do it. It's going to be painful, but I think it's going to be a blessing as we establish a new culture of punctuality. Now, if the Holy Spirit moves with great power, the highest ranking leader in attendance can make the call to give an exception of ending a little bit later. But this will be the exception, not the norm, amen? Sometimes we're like, oh, Holy Spirit showing up every week. This is a wonderful norm. No, that will be the exception when that happens. And it will have to be a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. All right, if some people are shaking and crying, some people crying here, we want to end that two hours, okay? We're going to end that one hour, 45 minutes, or two hours. All right, but if like, you know, one third of the room is like wailing and crying and just getting touched by the power of the Holy Spirit and like lame people getting out their wheelchairs and throwing their wheelchairs on the ground, all right, we might go a little longer than two hours, okay? So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's got to be dramatic from now on. Amen? All right, this is a big commitment for me. But look, we got to do it together. You got to hold me to it. But do it in an encouraging way. But like, like I said, I like pressure. The pressure helps me. It keeps me accountable. We can do it. Everyone say, we can do it. We can do it. Amen, we can do it. Jesus said in Matthew 5.37, Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Simply let your yes be no, yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. If you tell somebody that you will meet them at a designated time, you have essentially made a promise. Do you guys understand that? Whenever you set an appointment, you are making a promise to one or more individuals. So then if you make a promise, then let your yes be yes. If you don't want to make that promise, then let your no be no. But anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Being punctual... So if you say you show up at 1, but you arrive at 1.20 p.m., you've essentially broken a promise. you got to be able to make that connection in your head. You see, being punctual has everything to do with integrity. Everybody say integrity. Punctuality has to do with integrity because it shows others that you are a man of your word. So punctuality is not a matter of just you know, five minutes, ten minutes late. It's a matter of integrity. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Proverbs 13, 6, righteousness guards the man of integrity. First uh, Chronicles 29, 17, I know my God that you tested the heart and you are pleased with integrity. Integrity is letting your yes be yes and your no be no. Integrity is saying it and meaning it and following through on it. God blesses the man of integrity. God is pleased with the man of integrity. In the book of Job, one of the ways that God described Job, and God, God was like, Satan, you checked out Job? You checked out this homeboy? This boy is the legit. This is this boy's legit. He's the real deal. And Satan was like, Psh, that's because you blessed him. Take away all them blessings. Let's see what he does. And so God's like, all right, very well. Take away his blessings, but don't touch him. And so Satan just just destroys all his property, takes away all of his children. They all get killed in a 
two big parties, they all get killed. And, and Job refuses to curse God. And the Bible says and describes Job, Job 2, 3, as a man of integrity. God was well pleased with Job because he was a man of integrity. And if you want to be a man of integrity, you cannot be late all the time and be described as a man of integrity. Amen? You know, mature people who struggle with punctuality, for example, my wife. <laughs> I'm sorry, I won't do that. Uh, for me, okay, okay, me. That's a joke. Y'all don't have no sense of humor. All right. I said, I said mature people who struggle with punctuality. Okay, let's say me, all right? Mature people who struggle with punctuality do not necessarily break their promises in other areas of their life. For example, if I say I'm going to pay you back, I'm going to pay you back. If I say that we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Ministry decisions, I I try to follow through. And I try to be a man of my word. But I still struggle with punctuality because I don't really connect that punctuality has to do with my integrity. But being late continually communicates a lack of integrity. Think about that. It communicates a lack of integrity and dependability. A job interviewer or a potential client may think that if you are careless about time, what what else are you going to be careless about? And it communicates this lack of dependability, integrity. Uh, It communicates incompetency. But here's the thing. The truth may be, you, you could be the star employee at that company. You could be an amazing worship leader here at New Philly. You can be a powerful preacher out to the nations through this church. You may become a superintendent of Korean education system here in Korea. But people may not even open the door for you because you showed up a little late. Because your your lateness, your tardiness communicates incompetency. Whether you like it or not, that's what most successful people are thinking when they make an appointment with you and you don't show up on time. I'm here, sons and daughters. I am here to help you out. In this year of wisdom... I want all of you to make it a matter of priority to be punctual as individuals and punctual as a church. You know, you could blame your, uh, you can blame the, 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 the subway. Well, the subway was crowded. Well, here's the thing, like Vince Lombardi, you know, and other successful people, you know what they say? They say that if you show up 15 minutes early, then you're on time. If you show up on time, you're already late. You know, a lot of times, especially when you live in a big city, if you, like, one of the things that happens, and I'll talk about this in my second message, is what happens in my mind is, there will be this, like, one day, like one Saturday morning, I get to the pastor's, uh, the pastor's um, staff meeting is at 9 a.m., right, every Saturday. I've been doing that for the last six years, right? And there will be that one Saturday where, like, there's no traffic. And all the lights turn green at the same time. And I got to the staff meeting within 21 minutes. And what would happen is my mind will be programmed into thinking, I can make it in 21 minutes. And so I walk out the door at 8.38 and think, oh, I can get there on time. Oh, I'm a little late, but I can get there on time. But that one crazy exception no time becomes now like my standard for leaving on time. And that can mess you up. And you got to identify little things like that. You can you got to measure the actual time it takes for you to get to school. And you got to, you got to take an average of that over like two weeks. And then you say, this is the amount of time I really need to allot because sometimes there's traffic. Sometimes the subway stalls, you know, A lot of strange things can happen on the way to work. But you know what? None of those excuses really fly with uh, high caliber people that want to work with you. You understand that? You guys talk about dream big, dream big. It's the church uh, core value. Let's dream big. You want to do big things for God. I got the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I got the favor of God. But if you don't got punctuality, uh, yeah, you can favor and then you, you get fired. 
Or you start working with high caliber people and then they'd be like, uh, uh, yeah, we don't want to work with you. Really important. Let me tell you something right now. Like as I um, get open doors to work with different ministers, like high caliber pastors, pastors who have big mega churches, like you, you want to work with them at, that, at their level, you got to be early. You can't show up on time. You got to be like early. And if you ever show up late, like they'll look at you and be like, glad to see you, brother. But there's this look in their eye like you are late and I'm never going to work with you again. And you're like, what's up? We're brothers in Christ. Show grace. But in another sense, God may be disciplining you through that experience. Telling you, you need to grow up. You need to understand that being punctual, punctual has everything to do with your integrity. You got to become a man of your word. Now, you know, that's why our church has a dating protocol. Because so many Christian men in the church, they are not men of their word. They'll tell a girl, you know, I love you, baby. Come on, let's do quiet time together. Let's go pray together. I could be with you. I, I, I love you, girl, forever. I'll be with you forever. All these, like, sweet talk. And then what do they do? Some other cute, cuter girl comes along or some other cute girl comes along. And they just lose interest. They don't keep their word. They just say things. And let me just be real. Christian men also say things to have sex. Let's just be real here. I know all of your healing deliverance cases. I, I don't know like the details, but I know the gist of all of your healing deliverance cases. I know who, are, who of you in here, uh, you have sexual experiences and who, who has not had sexual experiences. Actually, I don't know all that. Anyway, I get the gist of it. And, and look, Christian men, they say all kinds of things. Even Christian praise leaders, they will say all kinds of things. In fact, they will use prophetic words. They say, God told me that we are to be together. And we must consecrate this relationship. What does that mean? Let me show you, girl. Come over to my apartment tonight. We are going to consecrate this relationship. The word of the Lord is upon me. I must execute this word. You're laughing. That actually happens. And wherever like churches open up to the charismatic movement, all kinds of foolish prophecies go out. That's why here at New Philly, we're real about dating. It's like you gotta you gotta back it up with substance. You gotta you don't don't make a promise. Let your yes be yes. So men, a lot of young men in here, they'd be like, "Can I ask the sister out?" And I'd be like, "All right. Well, how long you pray about it? I didn't really pray about it yet. All right, you're gonna pray for it for two months." You know, I told Isaac here, Pastor Isaac. Isaac was like, oh, I'm really interested in Tina. Oh, I've been thinking about her all the time. Uh, can I make a move? And I was like, no, you can't make a move. You got any money? He's like, oh, oh come on, Pastor Christian. Give me, a, <laughs> give me a discount or something. I was like, all right, all right, look, you got to save your money. First of all, you got to save your money. It looks like you're on like a seven-year, seven-month plan, not seven-year, like an eight, seven-month plan. And so he was like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm locked down. I'm going to try to save up my money. All right, we're going to pray into it. All right, I don't want you texting her. I don't want you all up on our business. All right, if, you're, if you are going to show interest, you got to be real subtle. Don't go up to her and say, I got feelings for you. You know, don't start something that you can't finish. Be a man of your, your word. Let your yes be yes. So if you're ready for a relationship, say it when you're actually ready. Not because you're so lonely. I'm so lonely. I love you, girl. That's what, you know. All the sisters in the house, let me tell you something right now. When a guy says, I love you, you got to interpret the tongue. They might be saying, I love you, but what they're really saying is, I'm lonely. I'm lonely. I'm lonely. You don't want to start a relationship with a little boy like that who can't exercise any self-control. Who doesn't know how to deal with his loneliness. A real man, he deals with his loneliness by going into the closet of prayer. And crying his eyes out before the Lord. That's how a real man deals with his loneliness. Let me tell you. How many hours I spent before I got married. In that place of prayer. But for real though. But for real. After I graduated from high school. I didn't go up to all these girls and say, oh, I love you girl. All this stuff. No, I didn't do that. I cried out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, let your will be done. Not mine. You know, that's why we got a dating protocol here, because we got to keep it real. 
Because man of God, you, your yes is an A and yes. And we're talking about punctuality today. <laughs> Speaking of punctuality, I'm going to close this message up right now. Even though I've got a couple more play, points, I'm going to close it right now. And so today we talked about why punctuality is important. You have to, big, the big connection I want you to make in your mind is that punctuality has to do with your integrity. And a man of integrity pleases the Lord. If you want to be blessed, you want God to deliver you, you want God to prosper you, you got to be a man and a woman of integrity. Amen? Make me proud, sons and daughters here in New Philly. Make me proud, church of God. Live your lives with integrity. If you say it, then mean it and follow through on it. Let your yes be yes. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person in this room. The word of God says in Proverbs 11, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Lord, we don't want your plans to be short-circuited in our lives because of careless duplicity. Because we keep saying one thing, but we can't follow through on it. Help us to be disciplined. I pray that you have put a fire in the belly of each and every person in this room today. Put a zeal in their hearts for integrity. And that they would connect it to punctuality. And that as a church together, as individuals and as a community, we will all grow together to become men and women of integrity. Men and women who please you in every way. Men and women who are like Job. Upright. With integrity of heart. We desire that, Lord. We desire that because we want to honor and glorify you in all that we do. And I pray that in this room where dreams and plans have been short-circuited by a lack of discipline, a lack of self-control, by lateness and tardiness, that no more of those stories, but we will see people excelling, prospering, receiving promotion, favor, opening up the door, and our carelessness not closing that door, but our discipline and self-control and our punctuality pushing us through those doors into new levels, new levels of influence, new levels of leadership, God. I pray that today, Lord. May we break out of our simple ways, break out of our ways of immaturity, childish ways, be put behind us. And may we become men and women of integrity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we all stand to our feet?